Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Year, session number 202. Hello and welcome to the two-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, welcome to The Pre-Med Years. If this is the first time joining us You have a lot of catching up to do, 201 prior episodes of great information for you, and it's all still relevant, which is the best part. I just got back from Tampa, Florida, where AMSA held their third, I think, annual pre-med fest conference, which was a great conference, over 300 students at USF. A great conference put on by AMSA. Tons of great speakers. Had I talked to a lot of the students there who had nothing but great things to say about all of the, the presenters and, and speakers, including myself. I spoke about the medical school interview, which I had a blast. Had over 100 people, I think, in the room. So I think if you have the opportunity to go to an AMSA conference near you, check it out. There are going to be some on the East Coast, including New York. I think there's one in in Puerto Rico and obviously the AMSA convention in DC in February. So check those out. And if you register, you can use the code MSHQ17 to save a little money as well. All right. So this episode is an interesting one. I speak to an awesome gentleman who teaches physicians and residents and now pre-med students, which is why I'm interested to have them here on the podcast, all about wilderness medicine and what that means. And we we got into the conversation and the more and more that he was telling me about wilderness medicine, the more and more I was like, why is it called wilderness medicine? I think it's confusing because it's not just medicine out in the woods and in the wild. It's medicine that you need to practice and know how to practice when there are no resources or very limited resources. So don't let the name wilderness medicine turn you off. This is an awesome conversation. And you'll hear how you as a pre-med student can have the opportunity to join one of these courses that are being held to teach you about some wilderness medicine. And more importantly, get you interacting with physicians and learning some interesting things. It's a great experience. And hopefully if you come to one here in the Colorado area, I'll have the opportunity to meet you because it sounds like 
um, I will be hanging out and, and saying hello when they have these as well. So I look forward to possibly meeting you in the future at one of these wilderness medicine courses that are specifically geared towards you, the pre-med. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Todd, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. Now you are, I'm, I'm crowning you the wilderness medicine <laughs> king. Is that, is that an appropriate title? Uh, well, Prince might be oh, Prince. more accurate. It's sometimes Joker, but um, <laughs> I, definitely that is my forte and strength and uh, what I bring to the medicine world. To the lay person, explain what wilderness medicine is. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a double edged sword because part of it is it's you know it's kind of a sexy topic. Oh, we're going to deal with snake bites and avalanches and frostbite and um, wilderness survival and search and rescue. But it's it then it kind of pigeonholes us. I, I if I could go back in time, I would um, <clears throat> describe our field as austere medicine because it's really about where uh, it's, a, it's like the classic old Peace Corps book where there is no doctor. Um, what we teach is where there is no hospital, where there is no clinic. How do you deal with uh, illnesses and injuries and prevention um, when we don't have the benefits of civilization of um, you know 21st century medicine uh, with all its assessment tools and uh, invasive techniques and and you know powerful, pharmacological uh, resources. Uh, what do we do? It's kind of old-fashioned medicine in a way. And it's not always practiced in the wilderness. It can be practiced in um, uh, low-resource countries, in disasters. I mean, with Superstorm Sandy, for instance, um, you know, um, by definition, wilderness medicine is either one hour or two hours from definitive care. So in Superstorm Sandy in downtown Manhattan, when the streets were flooded, the power was out, the cell towers were down, uh, the hospitals were closed because their power was off. Um, people were way more than two hours from definitive care. And, you know, there's, there's austere wilderness medicine right in, in uh, New York City. Um, so it's a, uh, it is a topic of medicine that is, um, I think, growing in popularity in the sense that more and more people are heading out to the woods in the backcountry and to um, austere environments internationally. Uh, but in some ways, it's just old-fashioned bedside doctoring uh, in the sense of, uh, of uh, supportive care. It, it almost reminds me, as a, a flight surgeon in the Air Force, we, I, I've been to survival school. I've, I've done all of that fun stuff. But it's it's almost like responding to a an aircraft mishap. That's something that that I would do as a flight surgeon, and going out and triaging casualties based on the available resources that we had. And it sounds like it's that same sort of mindset and skill set of of saying we might be in downtown Manhattan or or maybe we're in New Orleans after Katrina. We, we should and are usually used to having everything at our disposal, but we don't. So how do we go from here? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's uh, I mean, that's one of the, I think, uh, 
interesting parts of wilderness medicine is that one is always faced with limited resources. And so improvisation is the name of the game. And it is, you know, how do you deal with those limited resources and make the most of whatever you do have at hand to for for the best patient comfort as well as uh, the care and comfort of uh, the the uh, yourself and the rest of your party because uh, you're often in a um, a wild environment that isn't always um, the most comfortable. Has there ever been any discussion of renaming it to wilderness and disaster medicine? Um, some, you know, I think there are probably some programs that may be, there's, there's probably a dozen, two dozen strong programs across the country in wilderness medicine. Um, and disaster is definitely plays into, I think all of those programs, because again, it's a, um, the same principles apply. Uh, we've actually started a new course called disaster response, advanced first aid, uh, designed for lay people. Uh, and first responders to take uh, what we've learned in wilderness medicine and apply it directly to a disaster situation. And um, so it, they're definitely intertwined. Um, and, uh, you know, some of it, I think, is semantics or labeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I certainly, you, I wouldn't bet an eyelash if, if uh, a program uh, included disasters in, in their name. Yeah, interesting. Now, what what is your background to give you all of this knowledge? Well, I um, I, I guess <laughs> I started by flunking out of college as an undergraduate <laughs> and uh, hitchhiking up to Alaska with my tail between my legs um, to start all over. It was you know it was I grew up in a the the suburbs and it wasn't a matter of um, uh, whether I was going to college, but which college and. When I promptly flunked out, um, I tried to get as far away as I could, ended up in Alaska and fell in love with uh, the wilderness and the spirit up there and um, ended up starting to um, uh, assist. And I took a mountaineering class at the local community college, just started to assist in it, eventually started teaching those classes and started guiding and leading expeditions and, you know, climbs of the big peaks in Alaska and as well as in um, Central and South America and um, started um, uh, my own guide service briefly. That's a tough way to make a living. Uh, And then um, started teaching at the University of Alaska and um, been doing that since the late 70s. So uh, many years, lots and lots of field time and if you spend that much time in the outdoors, you're going to see um, a lot of um, injuries, accidents, illnesses, most most of which are very minor, um, but some of which are, are beyond that. And um, so it just gave me a lot of experience. And as I started doing more and more outdoor education and guiding, I got more and more interested in the wilderness medicine aspect because I had to take the, the wilderness first responder classes. I started helping to teach them and then connected with a colleague when I was at Cornell University um, that w- from the Wild Cornell Medical School that wanted to uh, start a wilderness medicine program at Cornell. So I helped found that. And um, uh, basically, I'm a 60-year-old medical student. You know, I, I um, have been hanging out with docs now for uh, about a dozen years and continue to learn a great deal from them. And then I bring in a pretty deep and rich wilderness 
background. So it's a really great synergy when I partner with a physician and we teach, whether it's pre-med students or medical students or residents or CMEs for uh, physicians and other health professionals. What has been the response? So you started at Cornell and you you uh, start a program there to to teach wilderness medicine, and that was that was part of a response to Katrina, correct? Yeah, I um, I received a phone call out of the blue about ten years ago uh, from uh, a faculty member at Wild Cornell Medical College who was looking for a collaborator on a grant he was writing. They had. He and uh, a number of the uh, emergency medicine docs and EMS providers went down to Katrina to help out, and they basically got their biscuits spanked uh, when they were down there. They really didn't know how to set up tarps or put up their tents or treat water or use their stoves, so they were not nearly as helpful um, to the survivors of Katrina and, and the locals uh, as they wanted to be. And when they got back, they wisely realized they needed to get some more training. And so they, um, uh, uh, Jay Lemery, my colleague, um, uh, connected with me and we wrote a grant. We didn't get it funded, um, but um, it was the start of a, a beautiful friendship. We ended up uh, teaching some classes together. We started a, a wilderness medicine elective for med students and uh, really enjoyed teaching that class. We got great feedback. Um, consistently, these third and fourth year medical students would tell us that it was the best class they had uh, in uh, in their four years of medical school. Uh, and that really, um, I think, charged both of us. And at, during this time, I was the executive director for Cornell Outdoor Education in Ithaca, uh, about five hours away from New York City in the medical school, uh, and saw a similar uh, need on the Cornell campus with pre-med students. We had uh, um, a number of just really bright, really energetic um, pre-med students who were part of our outdoor, they were our outdoor leaders for the for the Cornell Outdoor Education Program. And um, they expressed a lot of frustration at the um, I think one of them called it the atomization of the curriculum, where they um, felt that uh, medical medicine felt like it was going to be generations away for them. They were they were stuck in in um, classes and labs and lectures, and really were hungry to get their hands dirty with medicine, with um, actually talking with physicians and and getting involved. And they. They were um, they just didn't have that opportunity. So we tried to set up a pre-med program at Cornell and unfortunately couldn't get it through the curriculum approval process. But we were able to thankfully rectify that at, at University of Colorado. But the, the, the hunger of the pre-meds for, you know, actually getting involved with physicians was was palpable. Yeah, it's it's a common email that I get from a pre-med student that's that will say how do i how do i get shadowing how do i get clinical experience i find it so hard and you're sitting here with this program now at university of colorado that says hey <laughs> come come join me for a week yeah yeah exactly so and you know and talk about that talk about the program and and why uh 
why you set it up at the University of Colorado and and what the response has been. Sure. So um, my colleague Jay, we, we both were um, finding wilderness medicine to be uh, more and more important parts of our career trajectory, but our bosses didn't see that as an important part of our, our work. And so we were frustrated. Uh, Jay got recruited to go out to Colorado uh, about five years ago and spent the next couple of years uh, uh, suggesting that I come out and join him. And I finally uh, got frustrated enough that that's what I did. Um, and we found a very open and ready environment there um, for innovation and new kinds of classes. And so we uh, put together a two-week program. The first week focused on emergency medicine uh, on, the, on the medical campus, in the hospital, uh, very much hands-on, uh, sort of a mini-med school type of approach, um, and with lots of labs and lots of lectures. And then uh, a week uh, focused more on wilderness medicine and application uh, up at a camp in the Rocky Mountains. So you know, if you're going to be in Colorado, um, you know, as, as nice as Denver is, you got to you got to get up into the mountains and, and experience the real Colorado. So we wanted to give students that opportunity. Um, so they get a, a really, um, I think, um, uh, excellent introduction to the profession of medicine. We have about 20 different attending physicians and residents come in as guest lecturers. Uh, they share their stories about how they, uh, what they majored in, what they did in between uh, undergraduate and medical school, if there was that gap, um, why they went into their specialty, what they love about medicine, what they hate about medicine. And so they, we always start our lectures with that kind of personal story uh, that um, I think, you know, every student somewhere during the two weeks connects with at least one um, physician or medical profession, healthcare professional. And, um, you know, there, there's a... a um, I guess a connection there is for lack of a better word. So that's, that's a real powerful part of the program. And then, um, it's intense. We go from eight in the morning till eight at night. Um, we try to give them a half day off to enjoy Denver a little bit. And then we're up in the mountains and they, in the, uh, winter, um, the January session, they get to dig, create, um, snow shelter, whether it's an igloo or a Quincy, uh, and optionally sleep out for the night in, the, in that. In the summer, we do a, a three-day mini backpack trip to really um, get away from the plugs and the, and the screens and uh, truly um, immerse ourselves in, in uh, the great outdoors so that they can um, appreciate Colorado and the natural world as well as uh, make the wilderness medicine part that much more relevant. Are you saying there's no iPhones or iPads or iPods? I am for three uh. days. Yes, there's no cell phone coverage. <laughs> it's I, I personally love it. Some students find it frustrating. I, I don't know which one they find more frustrating, the lack of a shower for three days or the lack of their iPhones. But um, they all, um, at the end, um, uh, laugh about it and I think are proud that they were able to uh, um, you know, because a lot of these students have, have never camped before, much less backpacked or much less winter camped in an igloo. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're stretching themselves. And I think that's part of um, part of the uh, reason that they rate the classes so high is that they're getting to do all these new experiences and they're getting to do them with 
students from all over the country. So they're, this has been a bit of a, not more than a bit of a, it was a big surprise to me, a pleasant surprise, how much the students get out of talking with a student from all the way across the country who has similar challenges, similar pressures, similar worries, similar dreams and, and aspirations. Um, and they compare notes and they learn from each other and they kind of, I think they have a better idea that they're not on this journey alone, that there, there's a, a lot of people out there and, um, they, they see each other that, you know, that it's not competitive. There's, there's no curve, uh, there's no grading. Um, so it's, it, it, they're free to be themselves and to learn and to share, uh, with, uh, 20 or 30 other peers. And, uh, they, that's, that's a big strength, I think. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's something where you remove, the quote-unquote normal society, especially from a pre-med student that's used to the cutthroat world of pre-med, and you you put them out in the wilderness where there's there's not all of these expectations or, or societal norms, especially for people that haven't been out in the wilderness before, and, and people actually just open up and become people. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, medicine's a team sport, and so is the wilderness. I mean, you, you just, you can't, um, you know, the, the Bear Gorillas aside, the, the reality is, it is something where you have to work as a team, you have to work together, somebody's gonna get the fire started, somebody's gonna get the food ready, somebody's gonna pitch the tarp. Um, and, um, you know, if with everybody working together, it's a very comfortable and fun experience and and it doesn't take long for folks to to realize that and get into that groove and it's uh um it's great in some ways i wish we did the camp first because that's what that's the really the great bonding experience but uh because of altitude issues the camp's up at nine thousand feet we do our first week in town Mm. and they um they get a lot of the lectures and and the powerpoints out of the way there before we head up and and apply learning up in the at the camp so being in the Air Force as a flight surgeon, I had to go to survival school, SEER, and they taught us how to kill a rabbit and a chicken and defeather the chicken and, and skin and gut the rabbit. Do you teach that sort of stuff too? No, um, it's, um, it is a... Um it, it's the opposite of boot camp. It's it's the opposite of survival camp. It's about being um, having fun and um, being learning to, to be comfortable. Uh, we feed people well, and um, they still learn a lot. I mean, they learn to do one match fires. They learn to pitch tarps and tents. They learn about bear safety. They um, learn about map navigation and uh, build improvised litters and search, do search and rescue scenarios. So there's, there is a lot of, um, probably similar learning, but the tone is, is very, uh, much focused on, uh, fun and thriving rather than surviving. Is there a particular student that comes to these events or classes? Are, are they students that are, are they mostly male students that know they want to be emergency room physicians or is there a good mix of everything? 
There's um, there's a good mix. I mean, my favorite students are the ones that come from the city or the suburbs and have never camped before. You know, the the this is like their their eyes are you know they're looking behind them, wondering when the the bear or the cougar is going to get them any <laughs> second. Um, and by the end, they're you know they're regular Annie Oakleys or Daniel Boones. Um, those those are my my favorite students. But no, it's it's a really good cross section. Um, we probably have slightly more female than male students. Um, there's definitely uh, more of an interest in emergency medicine, but we've had students that are in, you know, m- most of them just want to get into medical school and they, they're smart enough to realize that, you know, they can figure out their specialties down the road. Um, but there, I think they, they, there is, because of the nature of the class, uh, a big interest in emergency medicine. But we've had folks who want to be nurses, folks that want to be PAs, folks that are interested in psychiatry and orthopedics, sports medicine, you name it. Yeah. And I, I would assume, and this is just kind of funny, with, with the looming zombie apocalypse, I think these are great skills to have. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, disasters are, uh, you know, whether it's natural disasters and climate change or whether it's uh, terrorism, um, you know, the disasters are um, you can't open the, you know, the front page without seeing something going on. And so this preparation for um, a non 911 world where one has to be much more um, uh self-aware, have situational awareness, um, be able to be self-sufficient, uh, I think is a, is a life skill, uh, whether somebody ends up using it in medicine or ends up in a whole different career track. These are, these are great and very valuable skills to have. Do you know of anybody that's come to your class to prepare for going to for for like a, a international medical mission trip not so much the pre-med classes though there's definitely we we do have that we have a class called global health advanced first aid it's a three-day class uh that is focused specifically on that topic and um we get some really i mean you know we get peace corps volunteers who've come back and want to um you know uh, head back to uh, low-resourced countries to help out or who want to advance in the Peace Corps. We've got folks who are interested in going, you know, very, not casually, but um, maybe it's a once-in-a-lifetime mission trip with their church or synagogue. There's uh, folks who are um, uh, global health majors who are um, want to go into this field professionally, and they're all, they all, I think, benefit greatly from this class, which looks at um, travel, international travel to austere environments. And again, takes that core wilderness medicine curriculum and then, uh, puts an international, um, and low resourced, uh, perspective on on that content. That's awesome. So for the, the pre-med student listening to this, how can they get involved, whether it's through, um, the University of Colorado's program, or how can they just start learning about this in general? Sure. Well, there's, I mean, you know, they can go to our website, which is coloradowm.org, um, and, or they can just Google Colorado Wilderness Medicine and, and we'll pop up there, if not at the top, pretty close to the top, um, and learn about our programs. We offer our classes in the summer, uh, and then uh, in December, we'll be in Costa Rica 
In January, we'll be back in Colorado. In March, we'll be in the Channel Islands National Park out in California, uh, as well as a spring break program in Colorado. And then in the summer, we're in Colorado and Costa Rica. So lots of programs there for pre-med students. Um, and, you know, we welcome students from all over the country, international students, post-bac students. We get a number of um, uh, students who've been out of school for a couple of years and are looking to come back and using this class as a springboard for that. Um, and uh, for students who can't afford the time or the money or the travel, um, you know, at their own institutions, I would highly recommend getting involved with the uh, their outdoor program on their campus. Um, they will have uh, usually uh, offer wilderness first aid or wilderness first responder classes. These are great hands-on classes, kind of like a mini EMT program um, where students can learn a lot about basic uh, medical care uh, and, and again, learn these practical skills, whether it's something they're going to use in, in medicine long term or whether it's just something that they might use at a backyard picnic. Um, one, one of the fun things that um, fun parts about my job is hearing from students who have used uh, their um, skills. I always ask them at the at, we have a little graduation ceremony. Say, Please, if you ever we hope you never have to use these skills. But if you do, let us know because we want to you know, we want to hear how it went and was it helpful and I probably get um, uh, uh, every other month or so get an email or a phone call from one of our past students who uh, tells us about how they used a skill when a, a student got knocked out in a volleyball game or a um, uh, skier was lost or a, um, a, a kid um, broke his arm uh, falling out of a tree. Um, you know, these are skills that are, um, you know, I don't think anyone ever wants to be the, the by, I mean, I, I think pre-med students don't want to be the bystanders. They want to be able to help. And the, these kinds of classes, whether, they, whether students do them with us or with many of the other great programs around the country, uh, will give them the confidence and the skills to be able to respond and help out and um, uh, make life better for somebody who's in a, a miserable situation. Yeah. I, I remember in medical school, this was before survival school, I was driving uh, with my my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. We're driving down the highway, and right in front of us was a pretty bad car accident. And, and we, we were the the eager beaver medical students, and we got out, and we're like, "Hey, can we help?" And and I, I guess I was the only one there that knew how to like make a sling. There's one lady had a had an arm injury, and so I put her arm in a sling. And it's you you never know when these skills are going to come in handy. You don't have to wait for a super storm, storm Sandy or a Katrina to come through. Yeah, absolutely. Or medical school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are, you know, those are great examples and, um, they, you know, they're going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, the, I, I was, I have to admit a little shocked the first time I <clears throat> taught a wilderness medicine elective to third and fourth year med students. And this was 10 years ago. And I, you know, I know medical school curricula have changed and are getting much more hands-on early on, but, these medical students were, um, uh, they were kind of shell-shocked when we first threw them into scenarios and asked them to actually uh, touch patients and move patients and treat patients. They were, um, uh, our wilderness first responder students at Cornell uh, were, were much more adept uh, by the end of the class than these third and fourth year medical students. Uh, it, uh, so 
getting some uh, early hands-on patient assessment, uh, scene assessment, um, basic uh, first aid, I, I think is something that is invaluable. As you've gone through teaching pre-meds wilderness medicine and they've they've left the program and you've heard back from them, what do you think is the biggest takeaway for a pre-med student as they leave your program? Well, I, I think it, it gives them a, a backstage pass to medicine, and I think it's the conversation, the intimate conversations they can have around dinner time, uh, at lunch, uh, over a cup of coffee with all of the physicians and other health professionals that come in and out of the program uh, that share their, um, their stories of how they got to where they are. And I think that our students find that inspiring. Um, I think they find sometimes find it reassuring that, um, oh, I can take a couple years off and it's okay. I don't have to go straight to medical school. I can major in government uh, or English and still get into medical school. I can um, flunk a class and still get into medical school. So they, they I, I, I think that's, I mean, five years later from a two-week class, I don't know, you know, what uh, exact skills or knowledge a student retains, but I think that um, that heartfelt conversation is definitely something that they uh, that they do take away and and uh, uh, keep, and it inspires them. I think you know. Again, we try to open up the eyes of our participants. That um, you know, for some of them, med school isn't necessarily um, in their future or the right the right future for them. And and you know, t- come talk to an emergency department nurse. Come talk to a respiratory therapist. Um, uh, have a cup of coffee or a beer after class uh, with a PA. And um, I know there's been several students that have really thanked us for um, helping them get past um, that, that tunnel vision um, and feel really good about their career tracks. Uh, so I, that I've, I've, um, I think that's been, um, been really helpful uh, for, for some of our students. All right. Again, that was Todd from the University of Colorado School of Medicine. And if you are interested in learning anything more about the wilderness and environmental medicine courses going on there, go check out coloradowm.org. Again, that's coloradowm.org. And as always, you can find links to everything that we talked about in our show notes. You can find those every time at medicalschoolhq.net slash, and then the episode number. So this one is session 202. So medicalschoolhq.net slash 202. Thanks, Todd, for joining me on the podcast and sharing the awesome stuff that you're doing at the University of Colorado. I do want to take a second and thank the one student that has left a amazing review for us in iTunes. We have Kevin R. Gann who says, the pre-med advisors of my dreams, Drs. Ryerson, I I think that's our, I I think that was our our nickname in medical school. No, I think it was Rallison. They they combined our name, almost like a Jennifer and, uh, what do you call Jennifer and Ben Affleck? I forget. 
Anyway, Drs. Ryan and Allison Gray have given me so much hope with regards to the medical school application process. I found their podcast two weeks ago upon switching my path from the biotech industry to medicine, and I could not be more grateful for their efforts. I wish everybody would find us as soon as this student did, and um, switching into the pre-med world and go, hey, I found a podcast already. So um, tons of great information and uh, a great review here. Good luck on your journey, Kevin, as you complete it. So anyway, if you would like to leave a rating interview, you can do so at medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. All right, I hope you got a ton of great information out of this podcast and you learned a little bit more about wilderness wilderness medicine. And if you are interested, again, go to coloradowm.org and check out everything that Todd and his team are doing out at the University of Colorado. 